This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's a special edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, an emergency podcast is what we like to call it when it's breaking news, and this is breaking news. Deshaun Watson handed a six-game suspension uh, by Judge Sue L. Robinson, the former federal judge, and that was her decision. Now we are in limbo, I would say, uh, as we await the appeals process for the NFL, and technically it's three days, but, Daryl, there's a way for this thing to go a little bit longer if both sides agree to that. So, Daryl, let, let's get into the the stuff that you really want to talk about. I know you want to give a little disclaimer before we get into it. Yeah, I just want to tell our audience that uh, this particular segment of the podcast uh, and is uh, going to contain quotes that uh, have uh, material of a sexual nature. If you're uncomfortable with that, my recommendation is to skip this segment of the podcast and go to our third segment and the content that i will be reading is verbatim from sue l robinson's report regarding the matter of deshaun watson okay here we go let's hear it so give me the the parts that uh you have highlighted well we're gonna skip the the, the she basically starts out by outlining the process the record uh, and the NFL's investigation. We're going to skip those parts, and we're just going to go to – we're going to skip those and start on page five, my findings. Okay. And I'm going to just read these verbatim. Okay. Are we and, reacting then after you read uh, them? Yeah. Uh, we'll okay. do one because there are three separate allegations that the league made against Deshaun Watson, and obviously she then found – that Watson was guilty of a violation in each of those three things. So my findings, this is again, straight from Sue L. Robinson's report, verbatim, unedited, unparsed. The NFL alleges that Deshaun Watson violated three provisions of the policy by engaging in one, sexual assault, two, conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person, and three, conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity of the NFL. 
I will address each allegation in turn. One, conduct that qualifies as sexual assault. As noted above, the conduct of sexual assault is not defined in the CBA, the policy, or the report. On behalf of the NFL, one of its investigators defined the term in the evidentiary hearing as the unwanted sexual contact with another person. The NFL contends that Mr. Watson committed sexual assault by allegedly touching his penis to the woman without her consent. As it is the NFL's prerogative to impose the policy on its players, I am bound to accept the NFL's definition of sexual assault. Therefore, it is the NFL's burden to prove that it is more likely true than not that one, Mr. Watson intended to cause contact with his penis, two, he did so for a sexual purpose, and three, he knew that such contact was unwanted. The record presented by the NFL to support its allegations of sexual assault includes many undisputed facts. For instance, there is no dispute that Mr. Watson used Instagram to contact these therapists and that he was clearly identified to them as a player for the NFL through Instagram. There is also no dispute that he reached out for private massage sessions with women whose professional qualifications were unknown to him, nor were their professional qualifications explored by him. Mr. Watson always forecast his desire that certain areas of his body be massaged, including his lower back, glutes, abs, and groin area. In all four cases, the therapists were willing to go forward with the massage. However, none of the therapists were willing to offer him massage services again. Finally, there is no dispute that Mr. Watson preferred a towel to the traditionally used sheet for draping, and there should be no dispute that a medium or small-sized towel will more likely slip off a body than a sheet, leaving a client exposed. Importantly, much of the alleged conduct is not, in and of itself, challenged as wrongful. The use of Instagram to advertise a business or to engage a business, for instance, is commonplace. There is evidence in the record that Mr. Watson's focus points, in parentheses, the lower back, glutes, abs, and groin area, are legitimate focus areas for professional athletes. Moreover, it is not unusual for therapists to inadvertently contact a male client's penis while treating those legitimate focus areas, nor for male clients to get an erection during a massage. Mr. Watson has not testified that he had erections or and inadvertently touched the therapists here. Instead, he has categorically denied the allegations against him, including that he ever developed an erection during a massage. It is difficult to give weight to a complete denial when weighted against the credible testimony of the investigators who interviewed the therapists and other third parties. Moreover, the totality of the evidence, in parentheses, including the undisputed facts relating to Mr. Watson's use of towels, his focus points, and the not uncommon experience of massage therapists to have contact with the erect penis of their male clients, end parentheses, lends support to my conclusion that it is more probable than not that Mr. Watson did have erections and that his erect penis contacted the therapists as claimed by them. With respect to whether the contact was intentional, the matter of intent generally must be inferred from circumstantial evidence in the absence of an admission. In this case, Mr. Watson reached out to women whose professional qualifications were unknown and unimportant to him. He insisted on using a towel, increasing the probability of exposure. 
He insisted on having the therapist focus on areas of his body that not uncommonly triggered erections, and he engaged in this pattern of conduct multiple times. I find this sufficient circumstantial evidence to support the NFL's contention, not only that the contact occurred, but that Mr. Watson was aware that the contact probably would occur and that Mr. Watson had a sexual purpose, not just a therapeutic purpose, in making these arrangements with these particular therapists. Finally, I find that the NFL has produced sufficient circumstantial evidence to prove that the last prong of the test, that Mr. Watson knew such sexualized contact was unwanted. Of course, there is no indication on the record that even experienced therapists, quote, want, end quote, such contact. And Mr. Watson certainly did not seek out the most experienced therapists. Moreover, there is credible evidence that one of the therapists expressed her discomfort of the unwanted contact to Mr. Watson during the sessions, and another of the therapists ended the session early. Given that none of these therapists accepted Mr. Watson's invitations to engage in further therapy sessions, I find the evidence sufficient to demonstrate that Mr. Watson knew or should have known that any contact between his penis and these therapists was unwanted. I therefore find that the NFL has carried its burden to prove by a preponderance of evidence that Mr. Watson engaged in sexual assault as defined by the NFL against the four therapists identified in the report. Mr. Watson violated the policy in this regard. Okay. A lot to, uh, to think through there. Um, so uh, let me just uh, backtrack again. He was, in violation, according to what you just read, he was in violation of sexual assault under the NFL's policy, not necessarily local, state, or federal law. Correct. Right? Okay. So that's why when we talk about, well, there's just a difference between what's legal and what is uh, bound by the workplace because of a work agreement. And he is he is bound by that CBA, by the workplace agreement that he violated that that's that was what she was saying there in in a lot of words i guess not not a few words a lot of words she said there she also um she also brought up the point that it is did she say it was commonplace i'm just double checking with you because you've read this four times that it was commonplace for men if if having just regular like a regular massage that it's not abnormal for a man to have an erection while this is going on. She brought that up. She brought that up. Right? That is correct. And I have had massage therapists tell me that that is normal and how they diffuse that situation is one, they don't call attention to it. And two, they engage in general conversation unrelated. So they just pretend that nothing is happening. Gotcha. And typically that keeps the situation calm and professional. And there you go. So there was nothing illegal about that. And by the way, she spelled it out that what happened wasn't illegal. It just, it was the intent. It was his intent is what she is talking about. Correct. Based on that. Okay. Now on to count two. Okay. I still want your reaction to what you just read. Well, I mean, my reaction is that she just does a very thorough job of explaining here in each of these instances why she finds that Watson is in violation of each of these prongs that the league pointed out 
uh, with the policy. I mean, that that is my reaction. She is extremely very thorough. Uh, now, her explanations on the final two, I'll, I'll tell you, are a lot shorter than what I just read. So just okay. uh, again, if, I, and if, I'm just saying this much, much shorter. Yeah. And I just I want to backtrack on what I'm saying here is, as I do every day of my life, and we do this on the show just because it was a byproduct of my life, that I want to know why I'm smarter for why I'm talking about what I'm talking about. And I like she educated me on the process there. And so that's why I'm just you say, what do you think? And I, I'm telling you why I'm educated. OK, Count two, conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. Once again, there is no definition provided in the policy or CBA for the pro prohibited conduct of posing a, quote, genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person, end quote. Neither has the NFL provided a definition in connection with this matter. The evidence upon which the NFL relies for proof of this offense, however, is based squarely on the emotional responses of the four therapists to Mr. Watson's, Watson's conduct. For instance, the NFL asserts that the therapists were, quote, fearful, end quote, of Mr. Watson's ability to, quote, use his status as an NFL player to damage their professional careers, end quote. Further evidence identified by the NFL in support of this offense includes testimony from the four therapists. One. One of the therapists told investigator that she sought counseling after her session with Mr. Watson and is struggling to work. Two, another of the therapists reported that she was frustrated, upset, and embarrassed after the session. Three, a third therapist testified that she changed her business practices and suffered from depression and sleeplessness as a result of the incident. And four, the fourth therapist remained uncertain whether she would continue to pursue a career in massage therapy. When comparing the above evidence against the other examples of violent conduct prohibited by the policy, it is apparent that the NFL has taken the occasion to broadly define the concepts of, quote, genuine danger, end quote, quote, safety, end quote, and, quote, well-being, end quote, in its charge against Mr. Watson. As I stated earlier, it is the NFL's policy and it can set the rules. I accept the fact that a work environment with sexualized conduct is not a safe environment. And I accept as credible the testimony of these therapists that they felt unsafe and suffered emotional distress as a result of their massage sessions with Mr. Watson. Based on the NFL's broad interpretation of this prohibited conduct as reflected in the evidence to choose to present, I find that the NFL has carried its burden to prove by a preponderance of the evidence that Mr. Watson's conduct posed a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, your thoughts first. Again, she very specifically lays out. That the uh, NFL proved their case? Yeah, that the, yeah. the NFL proved their case. Remember, the NFL highlighted uh, just a couple of the uh, uh, accusers um, in, in this uh, section of the report. She specifically mentions four 
therapists and their post therapy, um, I guess re- reactions. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's a fair way to, to, to put that. Um, and why she feels that, yeah, they're, they uh, fall under uh, this part uh, of the policy and is a violation. I think uh, just a, um, a step back here, I think it's, I, I, and I'm just saying this as a reporter, I wonder if any of the women who it's, because obviously we know that at least three of the four women here settled with Watson prior to this reading. I wonder if any of them, um, are wondering if, if settling was the right thing to do today after listening to that. I, I'm just curious. Like, I wonder, cause I, it, I mean, what you said is pretty heavy, right? There's some pretty heavy stuff there, especially the, um, genuine danger or the, the feelings and the emotions and the depression and things like that. I mean, uh, this is all very serious. This is the stuff where people say, I have a daughter, right? That, that, right. that goes right to the, I have a daughter and I think this, and I wonder, um, and I wonder about the settlement that happened on Sunday night. Okay. I'm just, again, these are no, questions, it, it, uh, frankly, pondering. Um, and, and, and I'll stress, this is my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. and I am not presuming anything or accusing anything. I do think that it was, and neither, neither am I right. I Go do ahead. think Sorry. it was based on this report. It probably was a good thing that Deshaun Watson settled a lot of, you know, these cases. Because this, no, I agree with you on that. This, yeah. this report does him no favors. And this report, again, comes from a former federal judge who, right. you know, as we have talked at nauseum about weighing evidence, weighing testimony, depositions, things like that, it, being able to see through what is a he said, she said situation here. So um, there is something to be said for that. Again, that's just my opinion. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I want to get, get okay. to the, the, the third and final uh, do you want to do that now or you want to wait till the next? Yep, because it's very short. Okay. Like let's said, go. This, this is short and then we can uh, wrap up with, uh, in the next segment with uh, final thoughts and uh, ultimately what she determined. Uh, the right. third uh, charge against Watson by the NFL is conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity of the NFL. And before I read this, keep in mind, the Houston Texans settled 30 lawsuits uh that alleged that they aided in the behavior that Watson was accused of uh, by these therapists. This is again from Sue L. Robinson's report verbatim unedited. The NFL asserts that Mr. Watson's conduct has quote undermined the public's confidence in the integrity and reputation of the NFL and its players end quote. According to the NFL quote, The matters that can affect such integrity and public confidence in the game of professional football evolve and change over time, depending on developments within and external to the league. And the parties to the CBAs have agreed not to operate with a static or frozen definition of conduct detrimental. The NFL has invoked this, quote, detrimental to the league, end quote, language for such conduct as Tom Brady's deflation of the game balls used in the AFC championship game in December 2015 and the 2012 New Orleans Saints, quote, pay for performance, end quote, scheme. Although the above examples were focused on the game of football itself, it clearly is within the purview of the NFL to expand the cope scope of its supervision to a player's private life if he invokes his status as a player while engaging in prohibited conduct. 
In this regard, the NFL has demonstrated that Mr. Watson identified himself as a player for the NFL to initiate contact with the therapist and used his ties to the Texans to reinforce his request for massages focused on his lower back, glutes, abs, and groin area. Having established himself in this context, the NFL has further demonstrated that Mr. Watson engaged in sexualized conduct during these massage sessions. I find this evidence sufficient to determine that Mr. Watson's conduct undermined the integrity of the NFL in the eyes of the therapists. Mr. Watson's conduct also has been scrutinized on a national level, as Mr. Watson's alleged conduct has been a matter of public record and discourse over an extended period of time. Regardless of my findings, it is apparent that Mr. Watson acted with a reckless disregard for the consequences of his actions by exposing himself and in parentheses and the NFL to such public scrutiny and speculation. Mr. Watson's predatory conduct cast a, quote, negative light on the league and its players and, quote, sufficient proof that he violated this provision of the policy. Mm. Wow. Those are the findings of Sue L. Robinson on the three charges the National Football League alleged against Deshaun Watson seeking an indefinite suspension of at least a minimum of one year. Sue Robinson determined six games. She also ruled that Deshaun Watson must limit his massage therapy to club-directed sessions and club-approved massage therapists for the duration of his career. And he is to have no adverse involvement with law enforcement and must not commit any additional violations of the conduct policy. So the back end of that is true for all players, though. That's not like... Well, that second paragraph regarding the massage therapy, that's a big one. No, no, no. I understand that part, but the other, but the law enforcement and the right, the the. I mean, that's true for all players, and if you're going to abide by this rule, so I get that part. Daryl, I, I just everything you just read to me, nothing in there screams six games. Why six games? Why not more? Because as she uh, laid out in her <clears throat> in the next section of the report, which I will not read because that is that gets lengthy. Um, okay. I mean, I I can read that it. was the threat. Well, no, I'm I mean, saying yeah, it basically, I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy to read it. No, no, no. It's, I, it's I'll, I'll tell you what, I, just based, <laughs> hang on, Daryl. Just, but just what we've heard is that's been the threshold six right. games. And that it, seems to be the reason why past precedent does matter here. Because right. if there was no past precedent, he probably would have got a season. And, 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 and she put in here, it's my responsibility to review any recommended discipline for consistency of treatment, uniformity of standards for parties similarly situated, and patent unfairness or selectivity. Um, and she says, you know, hey, it includes uh, existing disciplinary standards, prior disciplinary outcomes, considering any mig- mitigating or aggravating factors all with the goal of, uh, you know, reaching a, uh, basically a consistent and, and, and fair determination here. Um, I'm now I'm just going to paraphrase these final couple of pages here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the NFL, she goes to the NFL, what the NFL was seeking NFLPA's response. Um, as she put, I am bound by standards of fairness and consistency of treatment among players, similarly, 
Similarly situated, the NFL argues that consistency is not possible because there are no similarly situated players. By ignoring past decisions because not, none involve similar conduct, however, the NFL is not just equating violent conduct with nonviolent conduct, but it has elevated the importance of the latter without any substantial evidence to support its position. While it may be entirely appropriate to more severely disciplined players for nonviolent sexual conduct, I do not believe it is appropriate to do so without notice of the extraordinary change this position portends for the NFL and its players. So what she's saying is to the NFL, very politely, if you want more severe penalties for conduct that fall in line of what Deshaun Watson has been accused of and you know, the, the policy that she finds him or portions of the, the policy that she found him to be in violation of, which is we've reviewed are three of them. She's saying, well, then come up with come up with better punishment, come up with the punishment. It, it sounds to me to like in, in, a, in a lot of ways she has, uh, you know, kind of uh, explained everything with Deshaun Watson and also said to the NFL, you need to get your SH, you know what, together yeah. because you're unbelievably inconsistent in these rulings. Yep. And she, and, and, you know, in this paragraph with respect to the appropriate discipline uh, of what the appropriate discipline should be, I note there are aggravating factors applicable to Mr. Watson. That is his lack of expressed remorse. Someone please tell the Haslams uh, and his tardy notice to the NFL of the first filed lawsuit as to mitigating factors. He is a first offender and had an excellent reputation in his community prior to these events. He cooperated in the investigation and has paid restitution. I believe there she's referencing the settlements. The settlements, yep. I, again, I'm I'm drawing a conclusion there. I want to make that clear to the audience. Uh, well, she wasn't fine, but I mean, it wasn't fine by the league. Uh, uh, let's. Uh, I, I'm going to bring this up. Let's let's take a quick timeout just because I know we're running super heavy here. Um, we're going to come back. We'll talk a little bit more and. I, I, I want to talk about the NFL, what they might do next. And um, can we actually talk about the fo football aspect of this? Can we do that? Is that possible sure. today? Are we allowed to? Okay. I just want to make sure. All right. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, well, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? We love having you on board. Back with more on the Deshaun Watson uh, situation and his suspension uh, in a special emergency podcast. Baskin and uh, Ryder right here. It's always game day in Cleveland.